It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another installment of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast, based on the book in hardcover, in paperback, and audio as well. And already to number 54, Mr. Steve Noodleberg. So he has, uh, he has Brian Erlacher there. Well, he's because uh, you're a producer. Uh, wouldn't that be Zach Thomas? It would be Zach Maybe Thomas. Chuck Howley. Oh, Chuck. <laughs> From a Randy Dallas White. Cow- Dallas yeah. Cowboy, Randy White. But the problem is the producer of this podcast, Ken Levicka, is a Chicago-born and raised <laughs> kid. So he's a Chicago sports fan. 54 to him means Brian Erlacher. I'm going to give it to you. And I, I'm going to go with Hall of Famers only, Steve Noodleberg. No Zach Thomas. This is true. Ooh. Yet, yet. Is wow. it going to be that kind of show? I think it's going it to be that kind of, kind of feels that I way. We're going right to the... And, and we went right to sports, and, and for good reason. Your guest today... So, my commitment to have leaders and influencers right. on the program. Today we have a doozy. My friend Charlie Toronto, welcome to the show. Charlie, yeah, great, great to be here, here man. Um, yeah. th- this is a gentleman that... Um, you know, has an unbelievable reputation in sports. I'm going to let you uh, let you share it. But um, he is a friend of my first lady, Michelle. Mm-hmm. I got introduced to Charlie a couple years ago. Um, instantly, like everybody else, seemed to fall in love with the guy. He, I have not met one person that has a bad thing to say about you. You definitely need to meet more people. <laughs> you, you've only How about to... your network? I mean, your reputation is like you know people, then you throw out something Charlie like that. Charlie Toronto, Executive Hello. Director at Heritage Works and EVP at the Florida Panthers. Who, well, by the way, had a nice win on Monday night, or uh, Sunday night. Very excuse nice me, win. Very nice indeed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, meet more people. Maybe they'll have a not-so-nice thing to say. So Charlie's a, a, the consummate business person. He is well-liked and well-known for the work he's done. So I was excited. We were at an event together Friday night, Cats and Cocktails. Mm-hmm. We got to meet Michael Bolton, uh, Michael Buble. Michael Buble. Michael Buble. Michael Buble. You know, huge Michael Bublé fan. And so we and asked uh, Charlie to be on the show, and we moved things around, and boom, there he is. And there yeah, you couldn't are. wait to get here. Yeah, And so. there you are. Cocktails and Cats. I would imagine that's Florida Panther related. Charity event. You know, uh-huh. So uh, Charlie's career is so vast. Why don't you jump in, tell us like who you are. What about your story, your backstory? What's the story? Where are you from? What did you do? How would you get to where you are today? Okay, raised by wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So um, basically started the career with the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. when Jerry Jones bought the team back in 89. Those were lean days. Those were 1-15. One, one, one and, 15 and, I remember. and not looking better. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jerry and Jimmy came into our sales staff and said, you know, start acting like champions because we're going to win. Right. Wow. Tough pill to swallow. But let me tell you, we all kind of bought in, did some really innovative things at the Cowboys, was mm-hmm. there through uh, 94, mm-hmm. and then started an agency called Genesco Sports Enterprises. Iconic. Yeah, a couple of guys uh, literally in the back of a truck starting an agency that quickly became, you know, one of the largest sports marketing agencies in the country that was privately held with marquee clients, Pepsi, MasterCard, Motorola. And that was really the, that was the golden age well, of the oh, beginning of the yeah. sports Nobody marketing. was doing it back then except right. for a few of us. Not on scale team. like you guys were. I mean, it was uh, they were the pinnacle. Kind of like, invented what? the game, some might say. Some would say. Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. would say. And the game's a great game, and it's still going strong, and... Um, you know, so I did that, sold out my half, 
Mm-hmm. Started investing a little bit, made some really good investments and some really bad ones. Right. You know, like everybody, everybody that says they haven't, you know, yeah. swung and missed, hasn't right. really swung. So right. um, I yeah, made some good ones too. Um, I'm a franchise owner in Jimmy John's. I owned eight of those back in, in Texas. Lombardo Custom Apparel, which outfits a bunch of the guys that you'll see on the NFL draft and a bunch of big name entertainers. That's great. And, um, you know, most recently over the last five years, besides consulting with the Panthers, which I absolutely love the team, love the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very passionate about um, Heritage Works. We do the archiving for big companies, you know, Nestle, Home Depot, New York Life. Uh, and then also a bunch of teams, mm-hmm. Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, et cetera. So we'll take their records, digitize them, share them back with the team. So when they build a new stadium, like in uh, Detroit with the Red Wings, you'll mm-hmm. see their heritage all inside their stadium, uh, which is very cool. It's very honorable. Our it's a cause, wonderful stadium. I've seen that display. It's beautiful. It's just yeah, fantastic. Beautiful. And we share just as much digitally or or for the uh, the team to share with fans. It's cool. There's a lot to be learned. Uh, well, there, you know, you talk about the early 90s in sports marketing. Uh, that's really the point at which sports became entertainment. That's the point at which the athletes became the movie stars. Bigger than, larger than life. When those huge deals were happening, when it was Shaquille O'Neal with Taco Bell, which led to the movies and what have you. But really, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, when I think about it historically, you know, that was really the, you know, the New York Yankees were the original brand, if you will, in sports. And the Dallas Cowboys. We're America's team. We're on CBS at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays. And it's Pat Summerall and John Madden. And even when the team wasn't winning, it was still America's team, the cheerleaders, the star. That logo was known the world over. That single star, universal language. It was. I think Tech Schramm did a lot of smart things when they bought the team. They broadcasted in their games in New Mexico. They broadcasted their games really kind of as far as the signal would reach. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jerry bought the team... He brought it to another level. Right. You know, a lot of people will say, well, Jerry sure is lucky. He bought the team at $140 million, Now it's worth $4 billion. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm quick, quick, quick to interrupt and say, no, Jerry made a $140 million investment right. into a $4 billion wow. one. Right. It's not what happens to you. It's what you make happen. And Jerry Jones has been a great mentor and a great, you know, role model for me in many ways on the business side just because you can make it happen big and there's really no – glass ceiling with you know free enterprise there's a theme throughout this podcast it's about entrepreneurs and serial entrepreneurs and those who go oh but what about this you know it sounds as though you've decided a little bit of this a little bit of that let's go up to the plate again you know you, know, you don't need to go swing you know you could you could call for a pinch runner it sounds like you're trying to steal third base all the time well here's the deal you run into friends that you sort of want to do a favor for. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there's a segment that you're like, what makes you tick? Right. You know, what's well, really quick, really, really easy. It's two words, do favors. When I met Michelle, bumped into her in the hallway. She's like, oh, you're into sports. Uh, my son would like an internship. He needs one. Well, the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Michelle. Didn't know anything about Tyler at the time, but it was a favor that needed to be done. When you take doing favors seriously, wow. you do them. And it just so happens that Tyler was a great young man, did a wonderful job for us. And then four years later, he graduates from college. Mm-hmm. I moved to Florida. Michelle gives me a call. She's like, well, you know, the guy that was graduating high school, he's now graduating college. How about that? It's like, come to work for us. And it was just an easy decision. So you kind of live by that model. I mean, I live by the creed. If you can do something, then, then you should do it. For others, that is. 
not in life with opportunities where it's like if you can get away with it, then you should try it. But if you have the opportunity to help connect someone, or if you can do a little something, you feel a personal obligation that you should. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and it just so happens that Steve's a great friend, so I would say yes anyway. But when he said, how does Tuesday look? Unless I have a previous engagement, I'm saying yes. Oh, that's great. I mean, I mean just, I'm just yeah. going to do it for you anyway. And I knew about the podcast, so I was kind of wondering – it's taken me like 54 times to ask me to be on it. I mean, I kind of getting my feelings hurt a little bit, you know, Charlie, but I'm okay now. Apparently you know? there were 52, well, actually 51 <laughs> guests that were more important than you because there were two guests that did it twice. I was so just you respecting be, your schedule. So you should be even more offended. Be more offended than you thought you were yeah. because they even had Michelle come on a second time and then Brandon really? Steiner came like, on a second time. Like doubles? And I've been asking for you for, for a year. I've been asking for you. I go, when will you get Charlie in? He goes, I will get to him. Every Let's day I look at my phone, there's no message, Nothing. there's no text. Nothing. Like, but but being you coming, text yourself to make sure you still have service. Yeah. Coming back yeah. to the show, coming yeah. back to the content. To this podcast. This podcast. Yeah. Um, so one of the interesting things that uh, he said, which I really like, was, you know, have this commitment to do favors. When you're in our space, and I learned this from you in a very short period of time, you really can't do every favor. Mm-hmm. You have to pick and choose the ones that... So, like, if somebody just called you for tickets mm-hmm. and said, hey, I need to get to Jerry Jones for tickets, you got to weigh, you know, and and, talk, and and I think what I've learned from you is that you explain it right. Go, listen, when I do a favor for you, it's going to be the right favor. You don't want me to call you for, t- you know, call on, you know, this isn't the favor you want from me. Yeah, you you want to go, and I learned that from you, because there are some people who ask religiously, you even say, mm-hmm. concert comes in town, oh, some, boy. you see it light up, and they go, oh, here they are, they're calling for well, tickets. Next weekend's Honda Classic, so right. I'm already oh, yeah. getting the random pretty 23-year-olds <laughs> texting me, and I'm like, is this about Honda Classic? Right. Hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, is, are you going to be hitting me up for Bear Trap tickets, because if so, the answer is no. So, so, so what, what Charlie taught me that, you yourself, he catalogs stuff and said, I will do a favor for you, but it will be the right favor. Yeah, sometimes you have to help people know what they want. Correct. To choose their own real, battle, That's if you a will. real gift. That, you know, and I learned that early on from him. I love that. You know, because, you know, he has this relationship with Jerry Jones. Who doesn't want to go to a Cowboy game? Who doesn't want to mm-hmm. get on the field or do something? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Helping people, ma- you know, manage that expectation, I thought, was one of the greatest things I've learned from you in a short time. You yeah, know? don't ask for small favors. Right. The other thing about, and I'm, right. it sounds like I'm this really charitable, wonderful guy, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily true. <laughs> so what happens is I'll do plenty of favors, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, I can do favors on my terms. But then if I do so many favors, eventually when I do ask for something, I never hear no. You're right, exactly. But I don't ask for a $100 ticket. Well, if it's a favor, it's going to be a really big introduction. Mm-hmm. It's going to need some insight. I'm going to need some advice. Then I really need someone's thoughtful time. It's not as easy as just texting somebody for a ticket. You know, that's interesting. It. Early on in my career, I was one of those guys who called and said, I don't want it for free. Can I get a ticket to the game? I'm happy to pay. Here's my credit card. And people respected that up front. Sure. You know, in a way that everybody was looking for freebies, mm-hmm. I never, ever want to owe anybody right. anything. Right. So that philosophy, you know, when you get, you know, when you're out and you're connected and, you know, you're available, you make yourself available, it's easy for people to ask, you know. So it's just kind of interesting but is a favor, that we went right to that. Is a favor truly a favor if you're expecting something in return? Well, no, not, no. And, I, and I've never expect anything right. really. It's just, I think karma kind of pays you back. 100%. Say it every week in right. here. Yeah. 100%. If you're good to, uh, if you can do something to help the lives of others in some way, a small, the universe seems to have paid me back. My life right. seemed to have got infinitely 
better, easier, more rewarding without asking or expecting anything in return just because I could help to do something I was wanting to. And then the universe repaid me. Right. Without, not without not one for one, not keeping score. No. Just, it just comes to you and you wind up living a good life. And I think you've lived a fabulous life. You have amazing stories. You get to smoke cigars with Mike Piazza all the time. Right? Yeah, he happens to be a friend of mine that I met through a charity board. And we actually became front. You know, when you become friends with somebody at an event, you're like, hey, give me a call when you get down here. Right. You don't really think they want you to give them a call, right. Right? <laughs> you know. Then you run into them again, like, "Well, you never gave me a call." I'm like, "Well, okay, I will now." And we've we become friends. And, He's a wonderful guy. And so let's stay on theme here because things have a strange way through serendipity on this podcast to come full circle. I connect these dots. You're talking about favors, and you're talking about the right favors. And I kind of view that as almost daily fantasy. If you're playing DraftKings, where it's like you can't have everything. So you have to pick and choose the ones that are going to fit under your salary cap, right, for your daily fantasy. Okay. Wow. Mike Piazza's entire Hall of Fame career, based on a favor. His old man, right. car business, right? Tommy Lasorda, do me a favor. You draft the kid. 62nd round? 63rd round? 62nd round. 62nd round. 1,390th pick. As a favor. So you're talking about, <laughs> so his old man, Vince, right, yeah. called in the favor and said, hey, can, we, can you draft the kid? And then who knew that 1,300 what? Yeah, one thousand three hundred ninetieth. Ninetieth was going to become a Hall of Famer. Favors come full circle. Well, they they do, but let me tell you, there's a lot of hard work. Of course, a lot is. of everything. It's like I don't know who did who the favor on right. that. Right. <laughs> because when you get a Hall of Famer on your team, yeah, that's out, a pretty good favor not, the other way around. Not too it's bad like, for the Dodgers but, well, and but, the Mets. Yeah. But that but that initiated as a hey, could you would you would you mind here? Let's take a peek at when you get in the sixty third. You're kind of just guessing and let's see, let's find out. Mike Piazza, people talk about Tom Brady at 199 in a, in a diamond in the rough. Let's go Let's go to 63rd round. Let's go Mike Piazza. Thou- I didn't even know that. I honestly did not know that. that great, is, great, the fact greatest, that you know it blows my mind. Yeah, the greatest draft pick in uh, the history of baseball. And when he went into the Hall of Fame a few years ago, mm-hmm. it was he and Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. was the first pick. Right. Wow. So he did number first one, one under 1390. Yeah. 1390. Funny how that comes full circle. Yeah. And, and the idea. His, his dad, uh, a car dealer. And uh, that's how that all. Uh, so I love the way you tied it to, to favors. Mm-hmm. Just the whole concept. You know, when, when you meet successful people, when you meet leaders and influencers, they do have a consistent body of work that has made them who they are. And you are that guy. Because uh, I've seen it. You, you're just, you're almost like the mayor Walking through, hey, hi, you know, I mean. Well, you, you know, you're a product of your environment, and you're really the product of your, um, you know, like your parents. So my dad is the nicest person on the planet. Wow. People, people are like, Charlie, you're so nice. I'm like, yeah, you've never met my dad. Then they meet Charlie Sr., and they're like, yeah, you're right. He's so much nicer than you. You know, <laughs> so so you, you get raised in a certain environment, and then you have to live up to a standard that you admire. So I admire my dad quite a bit. Wow. So there's nothing I always – behave like he's in the room mm. and my son's kind of the same way charlie three well, you set the bar high for so, charlie three well, charlie one set the heart ball Ooh. the bar high for all of us so you act in the environment that you raised a very uh hard-working humble wonderful hilarious where did you uh, grow up houston texas wow did not know that so yeah. it's nature and nurture but there's a theme here once again in the book give to get sounds like you're a doer Sounds like you're someone that likes to do favors. Sounds like someone that likes to give their time, their advice, or teach. But it sounds like that came from the apple not falling too far from that tree. I think so. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great place to start. Similar with you and your pops. 
how how much he enjoyed the sale, how much he enjoyed that woman sitting down these shoes Absolutely. and let's get you in these shoes and out the door. So I, I speak about environment a lot and your environment when you're growing up, your environment about who you work with, you know, your work, you're around quality people. Vinny Viola was, is one of the most impressive people I've met in recent time. I had a very relevant conversation with him in the midst of that charity event where he made me feel like I was the only person in the room. That's a gift. I mean, that, you know, he, he well, didn't have to. Well, the entire Viola family's that way. I, I, you know, and I'm his getting son, that. His yeah. son, John, who I met first, is really a dear friend of mine. He ran uh, the executive director of the National Italian American Foundation. Mm. That's where we met. Um, he's very impressive. He's wonderful. And uh, he's like a little brother to me. His other brothers are great. His mom, Teresa, is wonderful. You know, wonderful people are wonderful people. And you surround yourself with those people. You don't need to be around anybody I try else. and tell young people all the time. You don't need more friends. You need better friends. Right. You don't need a lot of people. Really true. You need good people. You'll notice when you eliminate the people that sap you of your energy, that sap you of positive. <laughs> when you have a smaller, tighter circle of just decent, good people, I'm not the high earners and the most famous and the best looking, but with just good people, your life gets infinitely better, uh, easier, uh, less stress, and just overall, everyone, everything... Food tastes better. The sun feels warm. Oh, Everything, you. you know what I'm saying? Life is better when you just surround yourself and include yourself with better people. So, so as I, human beings. I, I agree. So, so I have a question that just sort of popped into my brain, and it was not planned, but you've had a very successful career. What's one thing that didn't go the way you thought it would, and, and how did you overcome that? I'm just curious. Oh, there's a few. I mean, you know, I really had my heart into a, a steakhouse that we did in Dallas. Mm-hmm with a friend and um we were at it for six years and a couple names and i enjoyed the steak business it was during a time of a non-compete and um so i had the time to invest and get to know people i enjoyed the steak business i just wasn't good at it you know i just i didn't know exactly the ins and outs and all the things you need to watch out for so we eventually had to sell prematurely it ended up fine but i wish the steakhouse would have still been around because it was a place that we could all you know, gather and enjoy each break other's bread, company, man. break yeah. bread and, and have laughs and cigars. I mean, I like the social side of that so much that even today, you know, if I could, my wife will kill me, but if, if I could go back in the restaurant business or get in the hotel business, I would do it just from the hospitality standpoint but part of that, because people are awesome. Part of that success is knowing that, okay, well, it's time to give up on this. It's, it's time to sell, as you yeah. said. It's time, comedians will say, We're don't fall in love this. with it. Comedians always say, don't fall in love with a joke. Yeah. They fall in love with a joke. They go and try it out. It doesn't kill. They try it again the next night. you got to know it's time to cut that joke. Yeah. Right? Same thing in business. Yeah, there's something to be said when, when it's Part of your strengths. Um, you know, Brandon Steiner says, don't get stuck on stupid. You know, it's the same kind of thing. If it's not working, you right. got you to gotta look at it. You know, even if you love it, you, you know, it's just, you know, it's funny because, you know, people tend to talk about all of their successes. But oh, there's just as many failures. Just as many failures. So, you know, the you know what I try and tell the people I coach is I go, failures are not bad. Failures are fantastic. Well, that's what we learn, right? I've learned yeah, but not when you're going, that. Not when you're going through them. Well, so we've had, <laughs> I was part of a, uh, started something called Trio Aviation Group. It was, we're going to repair you know, airlines, a little small aircraft didn't go well. I was part of a, a beer company that failed. So, you How know, does failures, a beer company fail? Well, you know, beer needs to taste good, I think. So, um, you know, but, but we, you know, part of that. So, you know, you get emotionally, the financial part of it, you can live through. The mm-hmm. emotional side is really tough because you love these things and you want to see them succeed. And when they don't, 
you know, it, you really kind of, you know, question, hey, am I really this good? Am I believing what people are saying about me? How do I go prove it again? And, you know, I feel like even with Chinesco, as good as we were, and we were awesome, you were and that agency awesome. is still awesome and still doing really, really well, you know, part of you is like, was I lucky or was I smart? Mm. You know? And is that part of what motivates you to see if you can't do it again? See if you can't start from scratch and kind of reinvent all over again? Does that motivate? I'll always be part of something. You know, I really will. And I think the one where I feel very fortunate is the one I'm involved with now with a guy named Keir Walton and the crew that does Heritage Works. That is the most exciting, fun, like game-changing scenario because it's honorable. There is nobody who can say they became attached to a team without giving you a former player or former moment on when they fell in love with their team. So your favorite team growing up was? Yeah. Well, it depends. I'm a gambler, so I have hard feelings towards everyone. <laughs> but before you started everyone. gambling, when you were like eight. When I was like eight years old, my grandfather was a Mets fan because in the early 70s, they were terrible. He could get tickets. So he said, we're going to root for this team because it's always easy to get tickets. So sure, I was a New York Mets fan. Yeah, and your grandfather connected you to that. Mm-hmm. And you, re- and you remember a few of those players? Oh, yeah. Oh. Remember them all, probably. Yeah. I can name the same Mets. way. Yeah. I can name the 69 Mets. I can name every player, oh, yeah. every position. Sure. You know, yeah. I remember, as a Nick fan, I remember meeting Cassie Russell was like the most exciting moment of my life. So I'm, uh, I'm very connected to that emotion. Very connected. So the New York Mets is a client of Heritage Works. And one thing that we're going to be working with them on is this year is the 50th anniversary of the 69 Mets. You're right. kidding. Wow. So, so a lot of those wow. guys get to relive that wonderful time of their life where they can be reminded when they were falling in love with their team. And that's yeah. a really fun thing to do. Sports does that. Sports does that. Moments do that for, you know, particularly us us guys that are sports guys. And if we had dads, God bless, and granddads, those defining moments of I was there for, it unites in that sense. And now sports has become such enormous business that it's a whole nother level of merchandising for newborns. My nephew was born. He came uh, from the hospital. He was one hour old, and his bedroom was already painted dolphins with the dolphin head. And he's in in, uh, near Rochester, New York. He's in Bill's Jets country. He never had a say in the matter. So you mentioned painting, so I've got to digress for a second if you don't mind. So my son is Charlie Tarano III. He works for Fanatics, the great great big company, wonderful company. Mm -hmm. Anyway, his job there is an in-house artist for them so he will paint and he'll paint you know the different logos of the teams or special events really he works in their you know signed autograph memorabilia and game worn scenario but art and sports is really the next really cool frontier and i believe that he's on the cutting edge and you ever look up charlie tarano three you'll you'll see his well, art well, he but gets commissioned to do special pieces he has too. been I mean, he's, some, he's you know, done some beautiful pieces in detroit the, he did one right? the detroit lions he did a, a lion for the detroit lions and then a few weeks later the the former owner who had passed away uh william clay ford walked in and said who did this lion mm-hmm. i've got to have a couple more wow so he did more of those how cool so he's is that done he's a really painter. neat stuff he's a painter it's right. an artist physically yeah, like paints a, yeah it's 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 remarkable and he's, he does a hell of a job and uh no, I was, good. listen, the art show is in, uh, we're in Palm <laughs> oh, Beach. The, the uh, fine art show is in town, I think, tonight's the last night of it. I went to the VIP opening last Wednesday. The one Thursday. up in Jupiter? No, or? here in the Palm Beach Convention Center. Oh, yes. Okay. And, you know, I think I'm kind of good at some things. I know things I'm not good at. And I'm jealous of, you mentioned Michael Bublé earlier. I'm jealous of people who can play the piano and sing. And I'm jealous of people that can take a brush to um, a canvas with oil and, and create and just remind you 
of how I have absolutely no talent or skill to do anything meaningful. <laughs> but people like your son can do these things, and you go, I don't, it's a, it's a different brain. It's a different, well, God, you know, it's a different God-given and hard work combined. I don't know how, but some of this impressionistic stuff and hyper-realistic, yeah, the hyper-realism, and you think it's a photograph. And the guy goes, walk up on it. You walk up, you go, oh, my God, it's a freaking painting. Yeah. How's that possible? Well, Josh, you're, great, you're a great communicator, and a lot of those artists wish they had your skills. And I'll tell you, you got good at what you did, not because you were born with it, but because you worked on yeah, it. Right. And again, another theme I'll tell you, whether it's somebody hitting a fastball or, or, or painting a beautiful canvas or singing like Michael Buble, they're not born with it. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate the in, impossible amount of hours sure. it takes to be really great at something. And I give a lot of respect to anything that I – if somebody I, does something well, <laughs> driving a car fast, you know, Jeff Gordon, he didn't just – get born with the ability to turn left at 180 miles an hour. Right. He had to learn that skill. You bring up a great point. There was some work that we did on the book Mindset, which was written by Carol Dweck. She's a University of Stanford um, scientist. And 20 years ago, she wrote this book about how you have, you know, different kinds of mindset. Mm -hmm. And there are some that are open to learning and some that are close, fixed and growth. And so fixed mindset was really dictated by our teachers and our parents. You know, if you think back, you go, uh, you're not good in math. And, you know, you say, well, I'm not good in math. How'd you learn that? My teacher told me I wasn't good in math. And they stopped learning. They stopped trying. They stopped doing that. So there's a whole study that's done on people who have a growth mindset are open to learning, trying, failing. People who have a fixed mindset are afraid to fail. So, right, they, you know, it's right. re- really very interesting that that comes up in this dialogue because it's very relevant to how people get great at something. Uh, I think the number of hours they said um, 10,000 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell hours Malcolm Gladwell said 10,000 hours is what it takes to become an expert at something mm-hmm. you know so you know it doesn't happen by accident <laughs> correct you know Charlie what motivates you what, what what makes you tomorrow morning get up and say you know what instead of just getting a sailboat and uh, and smoking those cigars with the Piazza. I'm going to go and try and change. Well, the world if that again. was a choice, I'd be on the boat. Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, so well, get I, you up in the morning and says, "Today I'm going to go try something new. I'm going to take this to another level." You know, it's just it's just your responsibility to be as good as you can be. You know, it's it's Always basically do your best. it's it's that. And then I'll tell you, I really like to mentor young people. I think the business has been good to us. We should give back. I'd say, you know, there's a guy, Ben Silver. He's great. Who's at the Panthers. who's one of my favorites. And, you know, he walks up wide-eyed and says, you know, I did this. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And then when you talk to him and the light goes on, it makes you feel really good. You know, to have been a, you know, the other profession that I really admire is the the teaching profession. (laughs) You know, I've known some professors, but also some sixth and eighth grade teachers who are just wonderful people. And if you can teach somebody something, it's the greatest day you'll ever have. I mean, I remember the day that my, my dad taught me how to tie my shoes. And every day I tie my shoes, I go, I remember that moment. You know, and, and I think that if you teach That's people. Cool. That's so cool. You, well, you'll never die. You know, if you teach someone and then they carry that on, they teach that. Part of you lives forever. That information, your spirit carries on. Without a doubt. And maybe I'm, uh, you know, crazy in thinking that, but. Not at all. I think, I, think, I think it's also the ultimate sign of respect when someone will stop, listen, and take your advice, and, you know, they're doing themselves a favor most of the time. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you, the other great natural resource that we are not completely tapped into is the elderly. Their experience, oh let me tell God. you, we are going to burn our hand on the stove mm-hmm. many times yeah. when, the, when the person with just a little Don't bit more that. experience says, you know, 
stove's pretty hot. Yeah, that's you orange. Might don't not want to do that, you know. So if the more you listen to the elderly, the more you give them respect. A, it comes back around because you will be in their shoes one day, and you, all you want is somebody to listen to you. It was interesting because Ben let us in the building when we came to BB and T, and so I said to him, "Are you going to sit in on the training?" And he looked at me like sort of starry eyed, and I said, "I think you should." He goes, "All right, let me go ask." And he asked Charlie, and Charlie said, sure, sit in. That guy has been all over me, thanking me. He's like, wow, I can't believe what I learned. And so my, you know, the feeling you get when you can pass that information down to somebody who receives it and will, I've made an impact in him. You did. Well, you made an impact in me, too. Wow. So, How about that? <laughs> so here's the deal. You know, I've been friends with you. I've heard your philosophies over dinner and cigars a dozen or so times. You know, I've read your book. I've even been to one of yours, your presentations before, but this one was different. I took something different away from this that I hadn't taken away from the other ones. So, you know, as good as we are as students, sometimes the teachers get better, too, just by doing what you do. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It, 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 you know. it can really help, you know, shape your life and give you a better attitude and give you better, obviously, energy and give you one or two better habits a day to to latch on to that can help you make you better. So And, and the cool. power of that, you know, you talk about mentoring, the, the power that you could give that, pass that on to somebody, to me has equaled any other success. You know, forget about the zeros and checks and stuff that I've gotten. You know, that one takeaway, like when Ben looked at me, goes, wow, you, you know, you made a difference. I haven't matched that uh, that emotion yet, and it's great. So I, great. I agree with you, you know, it's it sounds as though uh, the moral of today's story is that uh, continue to try and learn, continue to try and grow, take chances, get some things wrong, don't get the same thing wrong twice. When failures, you're making a mistake, but don't make the same mistake twice. And be looking to be able to do favors for others. But remember, kids, you shouldn't do any and all. Make sure you help them figure out the favors, in fact, that they actually are asking for and the ones that they actually need. Who knows? You might wind up in the Baseball Hall of Fame because you work just that hard. How about that? And you go from uh, yeah. 1,390th to being arguably the greatest hitting catcher in the history of the freaking game. Yeah, no argument here. How about that's, that's pretty? And, and the takeaway from the whole thing, I did a presentation on Saturday, just a keynote speech, but I called it Success Leaves Clues. And it does if you pay attention to people who are successful and just watch and listen to what they do. Watch and listen and watch learn. And listen, man. Watch and it's listen. Great, There's a lot know? to be said for watching and listening. And Charlie is that guy, man. I've seen it. Charlie Toronto, Executive Director, Heritage Works, EVP, Florida Panthers. Thank you for the time and the wisdom and, and getting us all to think of a couple aha moments, as always aha today. Moments. It's a quick 30 minutes, isn't it? Absolutely my pleasure. This was the most fun I've had all day. We appreciate you. <laughs> then again, then again, it's the last hour. It's only two, I was going to say, it's only 2.26 in the afternoon. Yeah. His day won't end until <laughs> past midnight, <laughs> so it's not too much of a compliment. <laughs> Steve, we don't ask people, hey, how are you, small talk nonsense. As you know, as we know, the audience knows, you always ask folks to tell them something good. It creates a little positivity. It sends a little bit of that vibe into the universe. So as we wrap up 54, why don't you share with us a little something good? Uh? So um, the something good today is really about... Um, Act as if, you know, so act as if um, we, you were talking about like, and it's, it was interesting because I shared it in my morning huddle, but here you are talking about Jerry Jones takes over and he says, I want you to start acting like champions. Mm -hmm. So I want to share it with my audience today, which I did in my small group is you act as if you all already are the champion, right? Championship things happen. Muhammad Ali. I thought it was the greatest of all time before I believed it. Cause yeah. I knew one day if I did, I would. Wow. It's, and I get chills because you said it when you said it. There was my aha moment from this morning. I shared that with my group. Bam. I said that whole idea about fake it till you make it. 
That's bullshit. Yeah. Be genuine. Yeah. Act as if. Correct. Know it and believe it. Uh, our thanks again, Charlie Toronto, for joining us. Stevie, you want to do? Uh, want to go for double nickels? Want to go for Michael Jordan's spe- return to the Garden? Five, no, five. No, 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 no. I'm already calling who it is. It's my uh, great friend, God rest his soul, uh, Junior Seau. Of course. Five. So, uh, buddy, in honor of uh, of Junior, we'll do fifty-five. Per- fantastic. Then we'll do that. We'll come back next week. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. Uh, listen, the book, you know, hardcover, paperback, audio book. Read it, live it, love it. Check out Steve on social media and see where he'll be speaking. For Steve Nuttleberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time for the Junior Seau Hey Buddy edition. Hey, buddy. Of the Confessions Woo. of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.